Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Murder Board Podcast. I am your host, Walter, and tonight I am joined with Saria. Hello. We have back with us JJ. Howdy ho. And Aramis. What's going on? And also joining us a little later will be Hunter. We'll give him the floor at that point. Um, in this episode, we'll be talking about the movie Summer of 84. So if you have not seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning. And if you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I do apologize. <laughs> Again, my editing schedule is all messed up. And the end of summer makes me incredibly sad. Because, <laughs> not because of, you know, getting back into the, the winter, the fall months. Because I do love fall. But more on the line of just, like, it just, for me, it's just like a grieving process. And I'll get, in, I'll get into more of that. But I wanted to, like, take this time to not go over any, like, news or not go over any kind of like big event that's been going on in the world because there's a lot going on. But I want to take this episode specifically and this movie to kind of throw back to how we used to do things back in season two, Zarya, where we just pick a, a topic and talk about it for a little bit and then get into the movie, you know, back when we were shorter episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know about you guys, but I want to talk about because of this movie, I want to talk about this the the theme of the loss of innocence. And for me, the loss of innocence is mostly symbolized at the end of summer. Like pretty much like right after the peak of July as we move into August and then fade into September. Now, when I say the loss of innocence, my first question to you guys, and we'll go to Zarya first. What are what is your interpretation when I say to you the loss of innocence? I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out like the right words to say. Yeah, I know. I just you know I've been like thinking about this for like a week. <laughs> but like maybe like some either like maturity or like some like you experienced something that has made like that cloud of like uh, that like cloud of uh, being naive like it's kind of kind of fading away and so like now it's like you're seeing things for like uh for like what it is kind of if that makes sense all right yeah i mean there's no wrong answer it's just your interpretation of it so sounds good all right uh what about you aramis what is what do you interpret when i say to you the loss of innocence i kind of uh i mostly agree with Zarya. just to add on to it i guess it's like a feeling of being pure or Maybe, for example, um, I give examples. It's kind of hard to give a definition towards it or like a statement. But example, for example, like when you were um, damn, when you were a kid, uh, you listened to a certain music that you were um, at, at the time you thought was pretty good. But as you got older, it's kind of like it's lost its taste, I guess. Okay. So it, it's lost that importance or. Oh no, that's a that's a you said you thought it for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like when I got it back, like so Tuesday, bad. when I sent out the messages, I was like, I think I want this to be the theme, just because I was thinking about the movie. And so yeah, <laughs> well yeah, if you want to yeah. add more, feel free to jump in. Okay. All right, JJ, what about you? What do you interpret when I say to you the loss of innocence? <laughs> uh, not gonna lie, the first thing came into my head was uh, lost of your virginity. But uh, that was just, a, you know, my mind going dirty. But uh, definitely, I guess, to kind of piggyback on them, just the way you view things after something has happened, like, say, like, you grow up or anything like that, and you 
see things in a new light and not with like I guess the gullible or the just non-caring and I guess I don't know like it, it is really hard to put in words but like just the overall like like you said purity of it all kind of goes away sometimes with certain things like it could be music it could be just your actions and everything like that and I think you guys are all right. I think you guys have the correct uh, point of views um, because I thought about every last one of these things. <laughs> I came up with kind of the same answers. Um, what I came down to as I was thinking about this and again, kind of relating it to the movie here. Um, again, I view it as kind of like a summer, the end of summer kind of symbolizing the loss of innocence or that process. To me, when I think about the loss of innocence, I view it more as a, um, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it is really hard to put into words. <laughs> it sounded a lot better in my head, but basically for me, I view it as more of like a, a process of grieving. It is a grief process of, um, uh, I can only speak from my point of view. So if again, Zarya, you can jump in since you are the only, uh, um, female identifying person here. I view it from a very, you know, a young man in boyhood as well but it is the loss of innocence for me personally is that grieving process of like you know you can you can equate it to sex i think that's what most people think of um but i i realize that for me the loss of innocence kind of relegates to the process of grieving of understanding you know what life really is or what life can be um just kind of like the reconcile the reconciliation of reality for the first time as a young a per, as a young adult or young person like you know you have the whole thing of like putting childish things away and we all have those like milestones and the reason i'm talking about this is because this movie that we're going to talk about tonight is part coming of age and for people who've listened to the podcast long enough or have known me long enough coming of age aside from horror and thrillers i really do enjoy coming of age stories and just quote unquote teen dramas and so that just gets to me and so i was thinking about that a lot here and so yeah for me it's it's more of just like you're processing or you're grieving the fact that like this is what something is presented to you that shows you exactly what life can be and will be um and i think this movie represents that really well um also it's kind of an aesthetic <laughs> again coming of age has kind of become an, an aesthetic especially for like gen z but i think for our generation it's something that um was kind of repressed in my opinion i don't know how you guys feel but like you know zaria john we all went to the same high school i can remember just details that would kind of identify the fact that like for us you know i don't know again i don't know about you guys but when I went to the high school that we went to, I had moved basically from across the state <laughs> to that high school. And so things felt darker um, when I got there, like in a sense of like, just I was back to being the new kid. I was kind of back to being alone for a good bit. And I know from my middle school experience and, you know, Zarya, we have a mutual friend where we went to the same middle school. I don't know if he remembers it that way, but I remember it was very dark. <laughs> My middle school experience was fairly close to something like Euphoria, something close to like Degrassi, where you I was kind of exposed to those harder life lessons earlier on. You know, suicide, teen pregnancy, 
sexual assault, that all happened or kind of under, I kind of came to understand it in middle school, like sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. So when I got to high school, um, my more, I was kind of torn between two kind of like fantasies of like my high school musical, like everything's going to be a song. And I kind of did fulfill that part, but also came the fact that like, oh, things, you know, talking to girls are a lot harder and groups are a lot more complicated. People are a lot more complicated. And it's amazing how things can get blown out of proportion. But then it was also kind of like balanced out by just weirder, like, bright spots which would come during the summertime and i think when i was thinking about the whole loss of innocence thing uh and i'll get to more of like a defined like example of it but when i was thinking about it as far as it being an aesthetic it's more of just like the uh i consider the loss of innocence as an aesthetic to being kind of like how um i don't know if again chime in if you want but like for me the those like late summer nights or like those like late summer afternoons going into the evening where like the sky kind of turns purple you've been outside all day probably playing like football basketball and you're just kind of like walking home as the street lights are coming on like that to me symbolizes like the loss of innocence in a way but it just it has to pertain to like an experience or again for me kind of pertaining to a grieving process um, how does that sound to you guys? What What are your thoughts on that? Do you have anything to add there? Anybody can kind of speak freely here. This is a deep topic, you know. It's... Yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of show tonight. We're <laughs> <laughs> taking a break sure. from all the superheroes. I would have had something for you for superheroes, but this one, I guess, uh, experiencing all those things, uh, you experiencing those things at a younger age, I guess it's kind of a blessing. So you can, it's just a sense of uh, what we were talking about with um the loss of innocence yeah but at the same time it's like it's personal growth at the same time i guess you can see it as and show you what's really going on i guess in the real world yeah i feel like it even though you went through those things you can like you said like he said it does give you like a, like a leg up in the world just because like you kind of see reality how it is but i guess to not try to lose your sense of innocence is kind of still see the the good in the world and like the you know still use your imagination and be optimistic and all the good things that come from being a kid and being a pureness like you can still have that and I feel like honestly Walter you're one of the few people that do still kind of have that whimsical kind of charm about them I feel like you haven't lost you know it completely even I, though the trials and tribulations you've went through. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I I do I think everyone keeps the lightness. I believe that everyone does lose their innocence or does have that process. It doesn't have to happen young. I don't even think it happened like although I was exposed to those things, I don't think and again it's really hard and very introspective. So apologies if this gets really kinda like personal. But I think when if I were able to pinpoint when I lost or when I started going through the loss of my my innocence, it would have to be like somewhere between the summer, somewhere in within the summer of like sophomore year or going into sophomore year. So after freshman year, uh, probably the around the time where I was kind of outside, I was like playing around in the uh, in the neighborhood or whatever. Um, and I think, again, it's very hard to remember because I'm older now, but <laughs> I want to say, like, lose the loss of innocence for me does kind of connect towards sexually because I want to say that happened around the time I kind of experienced like my first like quote unquote hookup. Um, 
not really, but kind of sort of with like a neighborhood person. And not, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, we like, went to Cane Ridge together. Who's your person? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna keep that quiet, but um, <laughs> yeah, it do is, off the record, yeah, <laughs> you know, that 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 hookup, and so I kind of have, I personally have this, like, I guess it's a fantasy now, but like. This, this whole like summer fling is like a, a cool like i guess a fantasy slash like king for me now but just because of that like it's like it's kind of uh why i grab on to like you know something like call me by your name which is a really good movie one of my favorite movies which is all about like a summer fling um albeit it's between a very inappropriate relationship between a teenager and a dude and an older dude but that whole like aesthetic of you know and you do kind of pinpoint the laws of innocence within that uh story it does again but it doesn't have to be sexual i think it's just kind of just understanding that like you know i guess it's kind of just uh i guess an outer body experience maybe kind of understanding your own growth kind of what you were saying Aramis where you kind of just start to understand like you are growing up and growing up means you kind of have to feel things a lot harder if that makes sense and it can also pertain to trauma because I do, it does definitely in this movie <laughs> um, I can give some more examples that were probably cleared up from my point of view of it but again I want to keep the floor open in case anyone has anything to add Zarya it's probably the most quiet I've ever heard you <laughs> <laughs> I know for for females or for uh, I mean, what's the right terminology to use? What's the right pronouns I can use? Females, girls, women. I I don't know. I I don't want to say anything wrong, but this is going out in the public. But I know for I'm gonna just say for females. But for I know for the female identifying gender or anything of that nature, um, the loss of innocence does exclusively in society does pertain to sex, and it's kind of more of a negative thing. Where it's like, you know, oh, someone took your innocence from you or, you know, you gave your innocence away. And that's different from guys, because I think for guys, it's more of like a it's either a rite of passage or something to never be spoken of, if that makes sense. But I know for women and for for uh, more of the feminine side of things, it's a like a it's a it can be a weapon or it can be kind of a gateway like it's something that is to be preserved it's like a double-edged sword because um for like the longest like women couldn't be like too standoffish but you couldn't be like completely open and like you couldn't be like mean but not nice to every like it's like you couldn't you had to do this but you couldn't do it to some extent and it's like a constant back and forth with uh with that <laughs> it is usually pertaining to sex with females, because uh, that's really when I can pinpoint mine as well, kind of. So yeah, I think it's pretty safe. But again, I I don't want to keep it pertain. Well, I know it is pertaining to sex, but again, for me personally, I view it more of as it's a grieving process. You are grieving the fact that you are growing up and you are experiencing different things. So. Okay, so this is where I'll bring in more examples and hopefully it'll flesh itself out more. So for me, the way I was able to understand it was because I did go through a period where I did read a lot of Stephen King. And Stephen King has a lot of stories that deal with, if not fully, but the aspect of losing your innocence. And it does pertain to children. You know, the most famous one and the one that kind of correlates to Summer of 84 would be Stand By Me. 
have you guys seen, ever seen this movie? Stand by me or about the kids, you know, do you want to go see a dead body? Uh, yeah, I can I can see the sim- similarities. Yeah. Oh, there are tons of similarities. <laughs> They're even dressed the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Stand By Me is kind of the, the main one where you're... I haven't seen the movie in a minute, but I know in the the short story that it's based on and in the movie, you're talking about a group of friends, a group of young men who are all experiencing different things that, you know, should... Like, people are being... Uh, you know, one kid's being like beaten. The other kid's got a, a war dad who's very abusive. The other kid's got, uh, you know, his parents are ignoring or very uh, neglectful because of the death of his older brother. Yada yada yada. One kid's fat. That's kind of his own <laughs> his thing. But uh, that you know, things that should be and are traumatizing. But it's because they went on this adventure. You could say that that adventure of them going to see this dead boy. And then finding this dead boy, seeing a dead body in front of their eyes, they experience a loss of innocence in which results in them kind of silently walking back to their house. Anonymous. Again, spoilers if you haven't seen Stand By Me, but this movie is like a bajillion years old. So that's kind of your fault. But (laughs) and we'll probably cover it on the podcast one day because it's a really good movie. But um, they go back, they report anonymously and then they grow apart as people. And we kind of see them flash forward in life. And so it's that kind of symbolizes, you know, that that whole experience is just that they were literally faced with something which we know what's more real. What's more reality than death, which is, I think, a saying someone said somewhere, someone smarter than me. But, you know, they're, they're hit with that at a very young age. And so that pushes them or kind of the catalyst of them moving out of boyhood into adulthood. And so, again, Stephen King has a ton of these. It, the movie, the book, it kind of symbolizes this as well. Uh, the book more so with them experiencing tons and tons of trauma with a giant killer clown. But a lot of that has to deal with the fact that, like, you know, a kid has to deal with the fact that his mom is overbearing and is, you know, making him sick. The other kid has this whole Jewish thing hanging over him and in a very oppressive dad. You know, everything with Beverly and her getting her period and her very uh very icky dad and the death of her mother and you know all these people all these kids dealing with this this stuff again for me it's i I feel like you can pinpoint it to where it's it's the the laws of innocence in most movies and tv shows and uh, i'll say two movies and tv shows because books you kind of flesh it out more but it's really just the end of the story where you don't see a lot and so or they montage it up up mostly so like the very end of it chapter one you know the part we don't see would be the loss of innocence would just be them sitting alone and processing everything like that's where i would view it as that's the loss of innocence um Stephen king has a ton app (laughs) app pupil is kind of a funny one but uh app pupil is kind of like a it's a weird movie weird story but basically it's about a kid who becomes obsessed with nazis and then meets a nazi and then kind of becomes a nazi and the nazi that he learns from is like wait no it's not the way but by that point he already came like a shooter and killed a bunch of people um one i always go to is carrie yeah app pupil's a weird one um actually uh app pupil stars uh the kid from bully zarya uh the the main guy not the the bully but the best friend uh brad renfro is the actor's name i forgot his name in the movie but uh, but also Carrie is another one where she gets her period for the first time. And then thus her experience of doing that kind of pushes her into this loss of innocence where she gains power from it. 
but you know at what cost and all that like i mentioned call me by your name kind of self-explanatory another one sorry i mean you did earlier in this podcast career of ours but 13 reasons why tons and tons of drama in that show but it does deal with the loss of innocence in many different ways and in ways that i like because you are they do allow characters to kind of just sit and process what happened to them um and that you know pushes them out of you know their childhood into adulthood um i have tons and tons of examples but again i want to not bog this podcast down by me just speaking at people <laughs> so again if anyone has anything they want to add in here now's the time what about children of the corn that's a little different that one's about <laughs> kids who don't want to <laughs> who don't want to grow up <laughs> yeah when i wouldn't put that in there i mean you could do it but it would not it would be a very different movie <laughs> but that's uh one of zarya's favorites actually <laughs> isn't it like it's like 10 movies Children of the Corn? There's a couple. Oh, there's like 13. Kind of there's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of them. 13 or 14? Because one came out this year. Or last year. One came out last year that was pretty bad. Hmm. They pretty much like did this. Uh, I need to find it. But I, I, I didn't watch it, but I watched like a, a video on it. And basically the new movie just takes the first movie and gender flips it. <laughs> so instead of like Isaac and them Zarya, you have just this girl who's kind of the oh. leader. And, so, and just basically that. <laughs> just maybe, is Monster House in that category? Even though it's an animated version of the movie? Yeah, I would throw Monster House in there. Absolutely. We can definitely throw in anime. I've been watching a lot of animated movies lately. I rewatched both Incredibles movies, <laughs> like yesterday. Um, Let's say Incredibles 2, great. Incredibles 2 is not as good as the first one, but it's still a good watch. It's always like that. Yeah. Um, Man. I would throw in Luca. I really liked Luca. Luca's a really yeah. good uh, coming of age, loss of innocence type of movie. Literally, because they, the loss of innocence of them becoming sea monsters. But <laughs> it was a really good one. Little Mermaid. You can kind of add this theme into anything. Uh, I just took a more somber tone with it. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, you know, the Little Mermaid deals with this as well. But yeah. So just to catch you up, Hunter, and then I'm gonna give you the floor, and then we'll we'll take a quick break and get into the movie. So what I was basically kind of just talking about is just we've kind of reached the end of summer uh, by the time this episode comes out, and so the end of summer for me symbolizes the loss of innocence, and there that comes with a you know a meaning and an aesthetic. And so the first thing I asked everyone was when I say the loss of innocence, what is that? interpret to you what does that mean to you oh man um yeah we're getting deep I, this I think, episode <laughs> I, I think i can relate to it on a whole lot of levels um pretty personal i'm not going to get into the personal stuff but I'm, I'm just telling you i relate very heavily um i i would say growing up i was told a lot that i had an old soul um, come to find out later on in life that that just means I'm, uh, I've got trauma <laughs> and I've had to deal with it very early on in life. Um, and I think, I think a big part of it is, uh, it, it takes away that sense of, I guess, just letting yourself believe that the world is, uh, I guess, kinder than it is. And allowing yourself to be more gullible, I guess. 
Um, I mean, just just saying that someone is childish in general doesn't automatically mean that they're immature. It just means that they're trying to take joy in the little things that are, you know, entertaining or weird or just quirky, and it's it's hard to find that nowadays. Um, I I think I think innocence is a big is a big thing that you try to keep around as much as possible. Um, it's kind of hard to, especially, you know, with everyone knowing everything off the click of a button. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's what it means, is like still being able to enjoy the world in such a gullible and passionate and curious way without being afraid of things too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I, I wish I still had that. Um, every once in a while, I'll allow myself to do that. And it's it's almost like you have to like have a pep talk with yourself. We're like, all right, we're gonna let ourselves be a little bit gullible here. <laughs> sure, I still do. I'm like, hmm, I'll trust it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. End up in the back and of like, the van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's kind of what it means. Is uh, I I wish I wasn't so callous to the world. Um. Like, you know, back when I was a kid, just everything was fun, doing dumb shit, running around the front yard, playing with friends, um, without a care in the damn world. And, I mean, I had to learn pretty young that you can't exactly do that all the time. Or at least it changes over time when you're getting older. But I, I understand what you mean there. I I definitely can relate. You were kind of on the same page as where Zarya was saying, kind of that, you know ease away or that fade away of like naivete and kind of just moving on essentially um but yeah great great that's kind of just the main point here um before we take our first break last thing i will say is that uh kind of bouncing off of what you were saying hunter about you know just kind of wishing you still had that i don't know for me personally i and the reason i think i latch on to such like you know Okay, maybe just one personal taste. I do like teen dramas, but I think the reason I latch onto it is because either I haven't figured it out yet, but either I did, I wasn't able to process my own loss of innocence in the way of like, you know, just understanding it. I think I made it into something else, or I wasn't able to let go, and I think I probably wasn't able to let go of it, which is why, you know, I can be very whimsical, but I can also be very sad. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, and I'll bring it up as many times as I can, but, uh, you know, I might embarrass you a little bit here, Aramis, cause this movie did kind of remind me of when me and you were younger, me and Aramis used to spend some summers together. And I will say from my memory, I was, Aramis was a lot more mature than I was, um, a lot more, um, uh, what's the word? Like he, it was definitely a little more mature than I was, but he was also a lot more adventurous maybe, or maybe just a lot more tougher. Me, personally, I was like, I never really liked going outside. <laughs> I kind of hated it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Aramis could run, like, miles and be fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's it's just, and I'll bring it up, too, because there's actually a scene in this movie that made, that reminded me so much of you, Aramis. But uh, there was also just, like, you know, funny story. But one time I ran, I ran Aramis over with a bike, and... <laughs> 
because huh. <laughs> they forced me outside and I didn't know how to like stop. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. But like, yeah, just like I I remember those times. I if I were to go back though, I just I wish I was uh I think kind of what you were saying, Hunter. I kind of just wish not that I was still had that innocence, but that I was able to just kind of live in it a little bit more. I was definitely more of those like worried type of kids. Like I was definitely like, you know, I didn't cry a lot, but it was very easy to make me cry. <laughs> I don't know. We'll bring it up as we go through the movie. Cause there's a lot that kind of brought up that got brought up for me watching this. And it reminded me of just the summers I used to have with my cousins and my brother. And just, you know, we, we didn't, I didn't have like a lot of neighborhood friends until I got to high school. And by that point, you know, when you're high school, and you got neighborhood friends, you just kind of like, well, you guys kind of suck. And all they want to do is smoke. <laughs> and so I felt like I just kind of was not in the right age range by the time it happened. Like, you know. All right. So, everyone, we're going to take one. We're going to take a break here. And then we're going to get into the summer of 84. The sheriff's office reports they're likely looking for a white male. guys we're back we're gonna talk about the summer of 84 this movie was released august 10th 2018 directed by francis samard anak whistle and yahan or yohan carl whistle three directors there uh written by matt leslie and stephen j smith so the film stars graham Fashir, judah lewis caleb emery Corey gunter andrew tier shagvak and Rich Samar, and the plot goes as such. Teenager Davy Armstrong is a conspiracy theorist who begins to, to suspect that a neighborhood police officer is a serial killer. With the help of his three friends, Davy launches a daring investigation that soon turns dangerous. All right, uh, the budget for the film was $1.5 million, and the release of this movie was shown at... Uh, uh, 
it was this movie was released for uh at midnight showings in limited theaters in the united states from august 10th 2018 uh by gunpowder and sky studios followed shortly after by a vod and streaming as a shutter exclusive in october of 2018 and that's about it uh, all right so summer of 84 is this the first time you all have seen this movie yeah yes yes yeah that's my first time have you guys ever heard of this movie beforehand? Not really. Mm-hmm. Right. First time hearing about it. No problem. I first saw this movie in twenty, either twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. I want to say, I want to say like early twenty twenty, maybe late twenty nineteen. I was just, I had gotten, I think I, when I first got Shutter, and I had just kind of heard about it through YouTube videos, um, and decided to watch it. I remember when this movie came out, though, that summer of 2018, I want to say is the same time Stranger Things Season 2 was premiering. Yeah, Stranger Things Season 2. And it kind of got lumped into that, like, conversation where it was like, oh, you know, if you like Stranger Things, you'll like this. And it kind of came after I watched another movie called Super Dark Times. Uh, It was on Netflix. It might still be on Netflix. But if you haven't seen that movie, definitely watch that one if you want the same kind of depressing psychotic vibes but uh someone friend my friend emirate recommended super dark time so i watched that one and then after that i started hearing about summer of 84 watched it and i was like okay this is pretty cool pretty short and then as we'll talk about the last 10 minutes had me kind of curled up in a ball (laughs) like oh oh no (laughs) and so it's this movie's always been on my mind i've always wanted to put it on the podcast it's been kind of like those movies where i would like all right, I'm making the podcast schedule. Here's the movies that I definitely want to get to. And this one just kind of was always at the top of the list and it would just get pushed back. But then I finally was like, all right, we're doing it this year because it feels right. And so now we're doing it. Um, Man, oh man. As we start every discussion for a movie, we'll do our overall thoughts. Um, Kind of going, we're going to round table this one here. And then as the conversation goes, we can just interject. Um, Let's see here. I want to start with Zarya here. Um, What's your overall thoughts on Summer of 84? It was a really cool movie. Um, I really enjoyed like the music that was going on in the background because I like, paired with the scene, like it really rose like the um feelings I was having for like the search like the scene. Anytime that like they were going down a hallway and like the music would get like very like dark and makes like the like make like your hair stand up like i really enjoyed those scenes the most all right yeah that that classic 80s synth that john carpenter (laughs) synth music yes all right um let's go to jj honestly for a scary movie it had me going like it gives you all the elements you kind of wanted you know that the good friend group that has good chemistry and like all the kind of different aspects are kind of like you know, fulfilled. you got the you got the chubby kid, you got the bad boy, nerd, and then you got the you know like you said the crazy adventure guy, and then um, but yeah overall man it was a really good movie. I definitely enjoyed it, and especially piggybacking on her, the music it had it had me on some parts. I said, why is it getting all scary all of a sudden? And then, <laughs> stuff started popping out man (laughs) and and also the comedy in there the comedy was gold like i definitely liked whoever wrote the script 
<laughs> had me chuckling, but yeah, that's over our thoughts. Pika titties. That was a funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aramis. Overall thoughts. Yeah, I'm pretty much agreeing with everybody else. This was a, a pretty good movie. It it did. I was a uh, watching it with my dog. You know, just me and him. There's a couple <laughs> times I yeah, I might have squeezed him a little bit too hard. The jump scares, but um, I'm kind of surprised I didn't hear much about it. For for it's kind of in my opinion, it's kind of underrated. Man, mm. plus it gave that um. I kind of like 80, 80s movies, that 80 movie theme, because you got like kind of remind me like the Goonies, or um, what's another one, like you saying Stand by Me, Boss Boy, stuff like that. So that was pretty good. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. yes. I also agree. I think this movie is highly underrated. Uh, not a lot of people talk about it, but it's a great one. Hunter, overall thoughts? And to my understanding, you just finished this movie. <laughs> yeah. I- that's why I was late. I literally just finished up. I gotta say, uh, at first, so I, I do really like the uh, the synthwave soundtrack. Um, definitely gives that '80s vibe. Just you know, the obvious comparison. I'm gonna get out of the way real quick. Obviously, for Stranger Things, um, it gave me that. Just you know, a bunch of kids riding their bikes with synthwave music in the background, set in the '80s. Nice. It's a good setting. It's a good time and place for like a movie like this to happen. Um, I I like the characters for the most part. I'm gonna say something. <laughs> Honestly, glasses kid. I can't remember his name. The nerdy kid. Faraday. He could have just not have been in the movie, and the <laughs> the smart kid could have just still just gone to any one of the other three or the other two, like. I think there was maybe a couple of times where I was like, oh yeah, this kid is helping. But most of the time I was like, I don't know what he's doing here. I don't understand it. But, I mean, that's probably my only real gripe. Uh, besides that, I, I think that the writing was was done really well for teenage boys. That that sounds about right. A, a lot of A lot of stupid sexual jokes and talking about <laughs> boobies and uh, just like being way too curious about that shit for their own good. I really liked the uh, the guy that played the cop, the Mackie, the guy that played Mackie. Yeah. Yeah. Mackie. He played, he played off that character real well. Cause like, I'm not kidding. Probably for over half the movie. I was like, it's the twist is is that he's actually innocent, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was in this whole movie. Like, I'm like, key, bro. I was like, bro, it might be the the neighborhood girl. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's actually a killer. No, nah, truthfully, I, I was I was yeah, she was on my radar. I'm he so was, glad I'm not the only one. Although I didn't think That's it was fair. when I first it's saw it. I remember specifically. I was like, I don't think it's the neighbor, but I think it might be Kyle. Like I think it's the brother, the older brother. Um, because he works at the hardware store. <laughs> oh yeah, that. mm, I think about that one. You only like saw him like once, <laughs> and he has a background that kind of like helps it. <laughs> yeah, man, can we can we do away with the stereotype of the fat kid also being the dumb kid? Oh. You know, <laughs> oh man, that, sad times. Like Thanks. you know, big boy, big boys are smart too. You talking All about right. Noah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
good old Woody. <laughs> I, I agree with you though, but I feel like it kind of like did away with that. I didn't. It, it kind of made Ben. You know, he went from the well. He wasn't the dumb. He was like the librarian kid. So yeah, I think it kind of saved. Well, it's the only character I can think of now. <laughs> well, he was he was definitely like teased and bullied by the by some of them. By my favorite character, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to to be like he was the dumb one, but he he did have a couple moments where, I mean, he's the one who memorized the the chemical formula that he saw, um, in the storage unit. Like he yeah. he remembered it. He didn't know what it was. But at least he remembered it and mm-hmm. knew it was of significance, you know. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, overall, I, um, I, it took me by surprise because there was a couple of points where I was like, I don't know if I like this. I'm not sure. But then it would hit me with something else, and I'm like, right. never mind. I, I, I like this. <laughs> and definitely at the, at the very end, I was like, okay, I definitely like this movie. All right, all right, yeah. Um, I kind of gave away my thoughts at the beginning, but yeah, overall, I like this movie. I remember when I first saw it. Again, it's my second time watching this movie, and so uh, I didn't remember too much until I started watching it, and as I was watching it, things kind of started flooding back, and as they were flooding back, I freaked myself out (laughs) I was watching it that night, and I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) I I remember now, and I also remember that I also have an addict, so I promptly, like, you know, made sure that the string was inside, and the light was on. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this movie's good. It's very underrated. I think I agree with everyone here. This movie, the soundtrack is great. I love the music. I just love eerie synth music. Like it just goes, like it's all it's a vibe, but also it kind of like creeps you out a bit. You know, it's something that worked really well for Halloween Ends for me with them trying to emulate Christine. We talked about Christine on this podcast. I love Christine. I used to drive home to the soundtrack of Christine um, during my younger years. <laughs> and I, yeah, this movie is no exception for me. What stands out the most is the fact that like the, these, the, I think the writing and the, the acting is really something to highlight here. These kids um, are at the time of this movie. They were kids. I think they're all kind of like, adults now but these kids are really good and i really did enjoy following them i wish we got a little bit more of some of them because a lot of their stories are just hinted at which screams indie movie but you know we don't know too much about uh tommy or eats as they call him throughout the movie we just know that his brother's a dick and he worked at the hardware store um we don't really know too much about you know like you were saying hunter the the nerdy kid he's kind of (laughs) there Um, he's like partly kind of studious, but also kind of horny. Um, and then we get, we spend the most time with Woody and Davey and, um, I, I kind of want a little bit more on Nikki too. She seemed a bit too cool, which was, I guess kind of works in the fact that this could be a murder mystery. Um, I don't think this movie is a murder mystery, but like, I don't know. Nikki was just a bit too cool with everybody. <laughs> um, and I, and they get, they get, they try to give her a reason, but yeah, um, this movie's pretty good. I, I do want to discuss it because there's a lot of moments in this movie that I feel like are worth talking about. Um, before we get into it, though, I did kind of quickly Google 1984 because I wonder why they picked this year. Um, but just, you know, for me, history and movies kind of go hand in hand in pop culture. So I just Googled what was popular in 1984. It turns out 1984, the first Dune came out. Uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom came out that year the terminator the first one came out 
uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street came out that year. So that kind of, you can see where this movie's drawing a lot of inspiration from. Gremlins also came out that year, so they do mention Gremlins in the movie. Uh, the first Karate Kid also came out, 16 Candles. <laughs> this is a this one caught me by surprise, but uh, Supergirl, Supergirl came out this year, and if you've seen the if you've seen a recent movie that came out, you you understand where that came from. Uh, let's see here, uh, Footloose also came out that year. Young Kevin Bacon just strutting about Ghostbusters, and <laughs> it's funny you mentioned this, uh, Aramis, but Children of the Corn did come out that year. Oh wow! Nineteen eighty four was a stacked year. We also have uh, Star Trek Search for Spock, which I think is Star Trek 3. Uh, Tom Hanks and Splash, where I think he has sex with a mermaid. <laughs> and Revenge of the Nerds. This is a, they're, they're, this is a, a stacked year of movies. Uh, this is back when movies were allowed to be long as hell. Oh, well, never mind. Oppenheimer just came out. So there. Oh, Firestarter oh, also came out. <laughs> Little Drew Barrymore was around that time. All right, so that's that's bit that's done with memory lane there. Okay, so this movie kicks off with a nice uh everyone's favorite voiceover about a kid on a bike. I do love kids on bikes. I think it's my favorite kind of like subgenre of mystery because it's just like nothing can ever go right right for kids on bikes, right? But like I don't know, I, I don't know. It's kind of like this movie for me kind of encompasses like my ultimate fantasy, but also like the reality of that fantasy of like. Yeah, we're going to get on our bikes, get the neighborhood kids together. We're going to go solve a mystery. We're going to catch a serial killer. We're going to be heroes. Oh, shit, someone's dead. <laughs> it reminded me of how I was young. I was definitely this kid. I was kind of a mix between Davey and and Faraday, honestly. But, like, Davey being this, like, conspiracy nut, which I really loved. But the fact that he, like, at the end he has to wrestle with the fact that he got his friend killed. <laughs> It's like, oh no! Uh, that was kinda... the crazy part for me. I didn't think they were going to kill that man. Right? <laughs> I, totally I said, "What?" It's so yeah, sad. That, that was insane. I was not expecting that at all. And there's so much foreshadowing for when it happens. I wrote down like so much about like, oh, there's so much things that Woody says, and it's like, oh, oh, they knew from the beginning this kid was gone. So the movie starts off, we got Davey, who's our main character, riding his bike because he's the paper boy, which I don't know. Anytime I see a paper boy, I think of Atlanta. But we got paper boy because that was actual job back then uh, in Ipswich, Oregon, June 1984. I don't know where the hell Ipswich is. I don't even know where Oregon is, but, you know, nice to know that that exists. <laughs> Shout out to Oregon. Um, sure. <laughs> So you got kids on bikes, safe neighborhood synth music. Davies our paper boy here, and we immediately—I like this beginning because we immediately see the two like main oppositions. We got Davy, the main character, and he's immediately talking about Mr. Mackey, and he's talking to Mr. Mackey, who's uh, kind of like the main suspect throughout the entire movie. Now, I know you guys were thinking it could have been someone else but this whole beginning i feel tells you exactly who the killer is no that's why i was like it can't be him <laughs> i was like there's no way they're just gonna point me to the killer i was he's like so it, creepy in this beginning dude <laughs> i was like he's too suspicious i was like that just doesn't work out bro <laughs> man yeah like this guy wayne mackey at the very beginning, he's like, hey, kid, you want to come in and help me move some furniture? And, I, and it's kind of sucks that we, I mean, it doesn't suck because this is 
uh, kind of a cautionary tale, but like living in modern times, hearing that sentence automatically wants you to call the police. It's not safe out there, kids. Nah, I don't know. They created the ice cream truck. Like they were, they're kind of sneaker back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah that, kids were getting snatched just left and right back then, man. It was the eighties. Yeah, everybody's kids doors were Everybody off. Everybody's off crack, and you know. <laughs> But the suburbs are the safest place to be. Can we talk about how uh, um, Officer Mackey, when uh, the kids were playing catch, he was just chilling at his house yeah. <laughs> with a beer. Yeah, he was being creepy. He was yeah. being creepy. I said, this man is pedo. Y'all want a freezy pop? And just changing his like, face. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that scene. Cause it's like y'all want a freezy pop, and it zooms in as he's just watching these boys play in on the street. And I'm like, oh, that's sad. They do have some great scenes. I do give them that. Like, I like the like some point of views of where they put the camera in the movie. Yeah, I think out of all the scenes in here, I think my favorite is when they're playing manhunt. Though, like one, I would just, just maybe want to go outside and play. Like, <laughs> y'all want to play this game? Like, y'all want to get together and play manhunt? We could buy some flashlights, right? Because this looked fun. But also, I was like, oh, it just makes it easier for him to get them. He says, this, this pointed out to me. He puts him in, like, he can't, so he's, like, moving a dresser or something into the basement. Where I love how, again, oh. he's just giving himself away. <laughs> and we get all the clu- the clues right up front about, you know, Davey talked about how he has a lot of pictures. And he's like, oh, that's just my extended family. He's like, oh, it's a lot of extended family. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Mr. Mackey's like, how old are you now? He's like, I'm 15. Ah, 15, the perfect age. And that's where I call bullshit. 15 for a, t- for a boy is not the perfect age. It is the worst age to be. <laughs> it is awful. You're not quite old enough to do anything, but you're just raging all the time. It's really tough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough period. I mean, they put us all together in one little confined area. thought it was a smart idea. <laughs> But yeah, I do love the vibe of this movie though. Like, I think they captured the like the the summer evening, like I was talking about earlier, really well. I do love the fact that like you see like I think it's really cool that this movie shoots past golden hour. Like, it's always like it's kind of hard to see, but that's kind of how it is at night on in the summertime where you're just like everybody's winding down, everybody's coming home from work, but all the kids are still playing outside. Like, I like that vibe. Uh, kind of add to the eeriness of it all, and again they go off and play manhunt, and we get the we get to meet the the kids, we get to meet the friends. We got nerdy kid Curtis. I kept putting in my notes Curtis, cause that's his name, but they call him Faraday throughout the, the entire movie. We got Faraday, who's just this like ginger glasses kid who always has his shirt tucked in. He reminded me of uh like I don't know if anyone again I wa- I've been watching a lot of Boy Meets World. So I don't know if anybody remembers this character, but there's a character named Minkus in Boy Meets World. He looks just like Minkus. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, then we got Tommy Eats. I don't know why that's his name, but he's cool. He's the bad boy. He's the only really actor that I kind of recognize in this movie. I'll get to that why. And then we got the fat kid, Woody, who's just the sweetest thing. Just the sweetest character. Uh, how we feel about the friends, though? How we feel about it? Zarya? Woody was my favorite character. Um, he was just so he was just adorable and so cute. But honestly, um, with Davy, I thought Davy was like going to be the next kid, and the whole movie was like surrounding about him being uh-huh. kidnapped by the neighbor. That's how I thought the movie was going to go. 
when it didn't go that way, I was like, oh, okay. All right, yeah. It could have been. It could have went full black phone. I feel like that's black phone. <laughs> if you've seen that movie, JJ, how do you feel about the the friends here, or all just kind of all the main kids? I mean, I definitely think they did a good job with like getting a like well rounded typical group of friends. You know, um, they forgot the token black character, but it's cool. It's yeah, the honestly, 80s. I'm okay. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's, it's the eighties. I don't think that was appropriate in the eighties. Crazy enough, but um, no, nah, I definitely uh, I forgot his name, but the bad boy, kind of the rugged dude. I feel like he did a good job playing that kind of character. And with uh, what they were saying earlier, I don't think the nerdy kid really didn't need to be there <laughs> because because the conspiracy dude he had it all figured out. Like he was just like, you guys are y'all don't believe me, y'all are crazy. This man literally stole the computer from him and was like, let me do it. <laughs> uh, I definitely did like the the love aspect, you know, kind of like the, the babysitter kind of deal. That was cute. And the way that, like, you know, they played off of it and she was very supportive with his, you know, decisions and what he was trying to do and how she was going through shit. And I liked it. Okay, so you did recognize uh, him because that's what I knew him as. The kid for babysitter, sweet baby Cole. Yeah, yeah, baby Cole. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, it was, it was good. Like I liked the group that they had. They they did a good job and they had really good chemistry. All right, Aramis, how'd you feel about the main kids here? The the main four. Um, truthfully, yeah, I agree with everyone. I um liked each of them what they brought because they were each. Besides, I mean, maybe of course what everybody's talking about, um, Faraday, is his name? Yeah, the, the, ner- the nerdy kid? Yeah, <laughs> the nerdy kid. Besides uh, him, kind of, everyone gave like their distinct roles. He used to be the nerdy kid, but, you know, it was like some of the things he was doing, or like you said, with the computer thing, it was more like, I, I guess his role was still there. He kind of played that nerdy kid, but I guess it wasn't as displayed as the others, because you got distinct like characters with um, the kid who played Eats or the one from Babysitter. He was like the bad boy that you can distinct from, like yeah. things he did. But um, I will say what kind of made me mad was um, it was the last scene. I want I don't know if we could probably get to it, but it was when um, it was like the final count, like the final mission to go in the basement. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, just keep eyes on um, Mackie, and even though he was like, oh, yeah, everything we saw basically wasn't, you know, wasn't true. I'm going to stop. It's like you could have still looked out, you know, <laughs> just let him know he's about to leave. Oh, wish him call wouldn't be dead if he did, bro. Exactly. Exactly. That was all his fault. He, he, that was messed up. Damn. Yeah, I, I would have cut them weird. all. I would have cut my friend, friend off after that, bro. Oh, yeah. It was, I think he did at the know. end. <laughs> he he did. What was going on with that? Yeah. Would you say Zarya? Yeah, they kind of rides past, and that was about it. Cut each other off. Like, they're not friends anymore after the fact. <laughs> yeah, I guess you lose the heart of the group. <laughs> Everything else falls apart. <laughs> but to be I, honest, though. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I will say, though, uh, I did like the relationships, like, within the friend circle of those four. Because, um, like, Davey and Woody were closer. And then um, Tommy and Faraday, is that his name? Faraday, yeah. 
Yeah, and then those two were close, like, uh, like uh, you could tell, like, both times that uh, a friend had asked to stay over, it was just, like, an understanding, like, yeah, sure. Um, it was like, yeah, sure, of course you can. Like, I just, I like the relationship that both of those, that, that both pair had with each other. I like that. I like that a lot, too. It just, anytime it happened, it happens twice, but, like, I got really sad. <laughs> Me, like, too. Oh. Like, I teared up a little bit. I was like, oh, no. All right, uh, Hunter, how'd you feel about the main four here? I mean, I, I thought it was a good dynamic. If I were to have to say which one of those characters I was when I was a kid, I I probably probably say I was a mix of Woody and Eeks or Tommy, because like I definitely wanted to dress really cool like Tommy did, uh, but I was I was a hefty boy like Woody, and I I tried my best. I tried that cool and edgy, but I was uh, I was definitely the I guess the one that got teased and made fun of the most out of the friend group, but it made me hardier in the long end. Um, but I I, I like the dynamic just because it, I mean the way they talked to each other was very real. It was a lot of like shooting the shit and banter and everything. Definitely. Um, I will agree that like you could definitely tell towards the end. All of his friends were just like really tired of it. They were, they're like, dude, this isn't how I want to spend the rest of my summer. Like, I think I'm done, man. I'm tired. Um, except for, I mean, of, of course, Woody just kept to it for some reason because that's just kind of like the loyal boy he was. The goodest boy. I like the scene where is it Nikki, the, the babysitter? Yeah, Nikki. Um, when they go into the house, that one house. Where they're, I guess she's like cat sitting. Yes, uh, and, uh, Sammy, that Sammy's house. Yeah, yeah. and she basically she she gives uh, the the main the main kid like points, like style points to all of the other friends by like talking them up. You know, she really didn't have to do that, and yeah, the fact that she, she just kind of did. I mean, she. Yeah, she talked him up in front of everybody, and they're all like, "Oh, dude! Oh my God! Are you sure you're a god, dude?" <laughs> like, like freaking out. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. Like, for for sure. You know, when you're that young, and it's like, dude, no way. You you you're hanging out with like an older girl that's like that good looking, and you're like, yeah. Everyone's like, dude, <laughs> perfect. Um." But I, I'd say overall, they all did their their jobs. Um, you could definitely tell in a few scenes that like Tommy had an extremely abusive household. Woody and the main kid, they it's like they kind of knew, but Faraday was the one that was like, "Oh, I know exactly what's going on." Like you don't even have to say anything. I could just see it on your face, like that kind of friendship. Literally, I'm pretty sure he had a black eye in one scene, right? <laughs> did he? I think I think he did at some point towards the the middle. He had like a black eye. I did not. I did. I not might see be that. just. I might just be confusing the babysitter though, because I know he has a black eye. In the babysitter, but I think he does though. It's like it's like it's not like a full on black eye, but it's like there's bruising around his eye, and so during one of the scenes with him and Faraday, he's like, "Oh, I get it." Oh like, fuck! Just like, what's going on with Faraday? Like, how, how, is he just the the group counselor, or does? What's going on with everybody's parents? I also thought that the fact that they were talking about, like, divorce and, like, 
the main kid not knowing if his parents love each other or not. Like, he was just like, I don't know. I feel like that's going to be a plot point. Like, they're not going to go down go down to his basement and discover a body. They're going to discover that his, his mom is, like, cheating on her his dad with the cop. <laughs> like, that's the twist. That would be a whole... That would have been crazy. That would be crazy. <laughs> they're looking for dead bodies, and then they discover just, like, a sex yeah. dungeon. Like, <laughs> like, just, I really just... want that to be alternate. <laughs> it's like the yeah. It's not even the cop. It's like she's sleeping with Kyle, like the 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 hardware guy. She's like, oh yeah, mom. <laughs> crazy plot twist. Yeah, this, the last like hour of the movie is just like a courtroom drama now. <laughs> Bro, he runs away with Nikki and says, "Fuck this place." He's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. yeah they... <laughs> They just go on the road and they don't look back, and that's the end of the movie. Hop a train. <laughs> <Yeah>, hop <just laughs> a train. Yeah. Like what? What was the <laughs> shit about the serial killer then? Like, <laughs> <laughs> kids are still missing. <laughs> what are you do? What are we doing? No. And then and they, they put the posters up with them missing, but they yeah. just ran away. Man. All right. Well. <laughs> anything else? <laughs> no. I'm good. I think I'll cap it off there. Great. Yeah, I think this is a great little group of kids. I do say, I will say the dialogue for them made me laugh so hard sometimes because it's just like every other thing they said was just some kind of sex joke. <laughs> and I was like, did did I used to talk like this? And I feel like I did. <laughs> but like, it just makes you think. No, I felt like he was always talking about his mom. Baz, me. Just like they were so open with like, they have this whole like cool little treehouse. And I'm like, wait a minute, are y'all just like picking a corner and just jerking off in this tree house like what, what's going on with this yeah that was skeptical that was skeptical i was like are y'all going home what are y'all doing <laughs> like they all had like they're separate <laughs> he said i gotta gotta go drain this they were so open about it like they were about to go masturbate i was yeah. like yeah. fair day was like i'm gonna have to make a deposit to the spank bank and i'm like yeah, just right but- there my thing is, like, you don't see him go down the thing, though. They're like, well, we got to do this before we go home. I'm like, so are we just, what is going on in this tree? <laughs> oh, yeah. That did happen. Did headphones exist at this point? Like, I don't know. They said, they said pick a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Came out the window. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tree, so I guess. <laughs> just, what's, what's one more sap? I don't know. <laughs> Shut the fuck. <laughs> it was just such a weird, but like it had me thinking. Like, did I, did I do this? I don't know if I did this. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, and I do always love that. I love the running joke though. It's like it's a small joke, but like the running joke is that the parents are always off to do something. Like they're either at work or they're dressed up to go somewhere, and they're just leaving these kids at home. <laughs> While a serial killer was out abducting kids, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, the mom is like, oh, they're announcing a serial killer. The very next scene, they're like, all right, so there's food in the fridge. We're off at work. Your mom's got a thing. If you need anything, call the neighbors. I'm like, wait, excuse me. Just like eight hours ago, you were watching the news. (laughs) Yeah, see, figure it out. (laughs) Oh, I love the 80s. And they're playing uh, manslaughter at night. Yeah. <laughs> we even see a kid get abducted. He's like, I guess he was at a friend's house and he thanks the the lady, which is a really creepy scene actually, because he just he just gets snatched. I'm like, oh. Can I, can I say, did that 
Did that scene of the kid like looking back down like the back alley of the neighborhoods remind you of the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? The scene where the kid was uh, with the backpack was like looking back and he saw down the alley of all the houses and everything. It reminded me of that one scene from Nightmare on Elm Street where he's like stretching his arms out and walking down. No, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely, I, that's what I thought as soon as I saw it. I was like, oh. It's a Nightmare on Elm Street reference, no fucking doubt. Yeah, because it was like the blue lighting. For me, honestly, this entire movie is what kind of what I would want from like a Nightmare on Elm Street prequel, where it's just Freddy just taking kids and they're like, "What's going on?" <laughs> and it's the they have to solve the mystery of where they're all going. Yeah, it turns out it's just Freddy sleeping with everybody's mom. <laughs> That's the plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, poor kid gets like kidnapped, and I do love this one thing. One, it's the poster, but like, so after they announce like the serial killer, which they call him, he, I do like this because this is very accurate to how serial killers worked back then. But basically, Davy overhears his dad on the phone. He gets called in, and they turn on the news, and it turns out that the serial killer who's been operating for a while has sent in a letter, and he gave himself a name. And, you know, if a serial killer gives himself a name, you know how that how pathetic they are. But he calls himself the Kate May Slayer. And he's been taking credit. He's taking credit for killing just about 15 young boys from ages 12 to 16. And so the very next day, like I said, the parents are gone. And Davey goes to make himself some cereal. I guess he uses all the milk. But he looks on the, the box and he realizes that a kid is missing, which is the same kid that he happened to see in the is it the same kid or is it a different kid i know he sees a kid in uh in mackie's window when they're playing uh manhunt at night and it's this red-headed kid basically a kid goes missing i think it's the same kid it's definitely the same kid okay yeah so cool so it's the same kid they and he ends up going to this friend and it's like he's missing and they're like cool you got milk <laughs> It was it was some fun little banter there, but that kind of kicks off the plot, and so they decide to start staking out and uh, spying on Mackie to to find out if he really is the killer. And I do love this. I do love like the the little moments of childness or childish childness. Little moments of fun is what I'll say, where they give like operations, and each and he says three different operations to kind of tell you where their plan is and i like this because it marks each of the acts of the film so when he says i operation mac attack we get we kick off the second act in the movie and then later on he says it again and says it again later on as well but i do like this because the start although it's like these kids got to be some of the smartest kids i've like ever seen because how do they know how to like spy on somebody like you know i could say i'm gonna go spy on this person and then immediately not know what to do next <laughs> like I wouldn't have the balls to follow someone from their, you know, house to their job. Like they said, they went to his job, but never well, said what it was. He was a cop. I mean, a cop. I know, but like you never seen him on duty. Like you seen him getting his car, maybe, but that was about it. Yeah, he goes to like pick up a bunch of dirt <laughs> because he's like, yeah, that's all I saw him do and run. Which, which yeah, I guess it's the '80s, but also even in the '80s, what grown man gardens? Facts. You live alone and you're gardening. Yeah, you're a weirdo. Either you like kids or you have a roommate that no one knows about. And that roommate happens to be the same sex. <laughs> like I feel ah. like people should question that a little bit more. Your next door neighbor plants a lot of plants. 
Something like yeah, on. I just garden. I just garden a lot. <laughs> Why do you have like five different shovels, sir? <laughs> oh, let's see. Where else do we at? Uh, they go to the library. Another fun joke. Uh, basically, what is like Tommy finds like what a, a National Geographic or an encyclopedia, and it just happens to have titties in it, so he steals it. Yeah. <laughs> porn. Free porn. Free porn. Free porn. Titties are titties, bro. <laughs> yeah, back in the eighties, you had to work for your porn. But hey, oh, speaking of the topic, have you? Did you guys ever own a like a hard copy of porn? Did I ever own one? No. Yeah, like <laughs> did you? <laughs> so, oh no, borrowed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever. No, everything I've I ever st- experienced is online. Yeah, I stole my older brother's one time. Oh, but wow. see, I've never like, I've never had like a magazine, but I have stumbled across a CD in a family member's closet. Oh wow! <laughs> a little DVD played. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess if that counts, and I've seen a DVD cover, like like you know a single DVD, but never anything else. I mean, I don't know. Does like. Does television count? You know, they used to play like Girls Gone Wild commercials. HBO was lit at night. Hey, at night. (laughs) At night. You better make sure that volume ain't all the way up, boy. (laughs) Probably. Make sure that Nickelodeon or or, like Nick at Night is like the last button. Yeah, the previous channel. You are set. You can click a previous channel so it goes automatically back to it real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Gotta have it on standby. You know the game. You know the game. <laughs> <laughs> In that case, Dude, I, I remember. Yes. Holy shit! I was I was real young, and my dad found out that I was looking up Google images of just like boobs and shit. <laughs> and and he goes, and he's like, "All right, buddy. <laughs> it's that time here." And then he 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 gives me one of the magazines, and he's like, "Okay." I don't want this back. And I was like, all right, thanks. <laughs> oh, he looked up. He's a real one. He's a real one. He's like, don't be using our computer for that shit. And I was like, you got he's it. Like, <laughs> he's like, mom goes on there. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> See, my dumbass went to YouTube and couldn't find anything. And so when they looked up the, the searches, they were like, all right, well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we we uh, we found it out. I had um, honestly it was crazy. I had this um, weird little camera device. It was just it was weird, but it did um, it did like video. So like we only had one main computer. It was like this like Dell desktop in the living room. So like when I had the chance, I would go record <laughs> it oh, on the, wow. the computer, and then I'd be good because I just you know like you said. Boy made his own bootlegs. That's fun. <laughs> own bootlegs. Own bootlegs. Oh boy! I, yeah, I always had an iPod and some and Wi-Fi, so I was, it was pretty like accessible. But looking back, I never knew what the hell I was looking at. I'm like, all I see is a bunch of blurry images. <laughs> Why is everybody soapy? <laughs> Dude, I think I think the same amount of ingenuity that young boys have in finding like porn. Is the same kind of ingenuity that like stoners get when they're older. I think yeah. it's the same. It's in the same vein because you're it's gonna like, figure it out somehow. They're gonna <laughs> make it work. 
Zarya, you want to highlight on the female perspective? <laughs> How does porn yeah, work for like, girls? Yeah, I feel like y'all weren't as crazy as we were. I've always I heard mean, the opposite. I mean, I went through the same steps. I'm, I'm like, so I'm just like, it's not too much different. <laughs> oh shit! Hey, say, yeah, I knew, I know about HBO. Like, I, I, yeah, yeah Nikki Nightglass. Yep. Here's. I guess we're on porn talk. Welcome to the porn talk podcast. But no, uh, <laughs> what used to piss me off about like HBO and, and like show time is that it was softcore. So you didn't see any penetration and that used to piss me off. I'm like, okay, yeah, titties, but like why is she just bouncing up and down? I don't get what's going on. <laughs> yeah, like you're, you're not showing that. Me off. <laughs> he said this shit is a tease. <laughs> like the story never made sense. She would just be like, or it would just take too long. She was like, I'm here to clean the house. And it'd be like 10 minutes for cleaning the actual house. And then like, yeah, like it would cut. And then all of a sudden they're having sex. And I'm like, well, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> what if they're faking it? <laughs> it felt like they were. I used to get pissed off all the time. I was like, I'm done with this bullshit. Let me watch Cora. Let me watch like, Legend of Cora. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> so mad because like the female always is fully exposed right but <laughs> all i see is from the chest up yeah of the <laughs> yeah like you don't yeah that sucks on y'all side that does suck it's like does the legs not open up wider like what are we looking at hbo what you got going on <laughs> or like you telling me you can't show a dick <laughs> <laughs> we want it all <laughs> We yeah, have the a, right as teenagers. No. Man, what a turn this is taking. <laughs> All right. So back to the God. serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, so kind of getting back into like the interesting part about this whole serial killer. I like the way, I kind of like how they make out the, the cat face layer to be. Again, and it, you know, Zarya, we talk about this all the time, but like Mackie was one like cocky son of a bitch. Like he was one cocky serial killer. Oh, when he sent the note, I was just like, mm, mm. <laughs> he was like, y'all gotta come find me, and then like continue to take kids from the same neighborhood. <laughs> it was like, well, that's pretty like textbooks, like Ted Bundy type of serial killing. There, like that's like. He was bold, very bold. And again, you get that whole scene of him being like, y'all want a freezy pop? Yeah, sure, mister. I wrote in my notes, like, Mackie, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, how that dare you? Up. That was fucked up. He was literally like just eyeballing which one is going to be next. Honestly, I was waiting for like the scene, like, you know, if they pull out or they're really, they're zooming in. But I was waiting for like the to like pull out and all the kids just start dropping. <laughs> just like start collecting them. <laughs> this is what it felt like. <laughs> Like this popsicle tastes weird. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so another great scene. So they decide to like trail Mackie on his like I guess to work or whatever or to the to the hardware store, and they force Woody to drive. Who's having a full on panic attack <laughs> while driving? I love this scene so much because they're like, "Dude, it'll be fine." He's like, "But this is my mom's car. <laughs> she catches me. I'm dead." Driving below the speed limit. Right. <laughs> he was driving slow as hell. <laughs> They're like, you're going to lose him. He's like, I can't wreck my mom's car. And then they get pulled over by the cop. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> this would have yeah, been I don't a know different. who that cop was. Oh, man. That would have been. It was uh, Mackie. 
Yeah, no, uh, the the cop was a uh, I think Officer Cole is what they called him, but he was just he luckily he was Woody's mom's friend from church. <laughs> but if it was anybody else, they honestly he probably would have lived if he went to like juvie. <laughs> yeah, like facts. He would it would all have been probably like a whole different story. Would a kid like Woody survive in juvie? Yes, you know how big that boy is. <laughs> yeah, they'd be they'd be scared to try to fight him. Woody, That's fair. Yeah, like Never Woody mind. was big, but he wasn't like a punk. Like you know, if you watch Stand by Me, Jerry O'Connell's character was like a punk, but Woody he held his own, especially against like Tommy because he was always talking about his mom. He's like, I want to tell you, yeah. talk about my mom. He said, "Bro, I told you not to, bro." <laughs> <laughs> I also like the scene where uh, Faraday steals uh, what he steals like a bottle of liquor from his dad. I thought it was Fireball, and I was gonna be like, "Wow, these kids are bold," <laughs> but I don't think it yeah, was. Like I think it was different. something different. And they quickly got drunk. <laughs> yeah, like they as soon as they that first sip was they were drunk. I also like the scene where um so we get to Nikki. We can talk about Nikki now. So Nikki was Davy's babysitter. She Bad. lives next door. Great look. Mm. Looks great. But she's having her own little side plot. I love how she's having her own little movie, actually. Because like all this is going down and you know, if you just kind of flip the script, she's having this like this little lifetime movie. Like her parents are getting divorced, and she's really sad about it. And so she's acting out by flirting with a underage boy. <laughs> yeah, facts. She's a menace to society, bro. <laughs> Don't you dare come right. in my house like she did, man. <laughs> Open the refrigerator, got her something, something to drink. Man, I said what? <laughs> I was like, you might as well Wait, just stay over now. Oh, man. Does it say how old she is in the movie? She's she's going off to college, so she has to be like at least seventeen or eighteen. Oh. He was fifteen. Oh, props to him. Yeah, yeah like he's he's got a, a senior on his hands, basically. Basically, yeah, she's going off to college, which is why she's moving. But she was sad about her parents <sighs> being divorced, which is like, well, if you're leaving the house anyway and your parents are getting divorced, then why are you so like, like <laughs> you? You'll be fine. You're just gonna explore your options in college. You're not gonna see either of them for about nine months. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But again, you know, it's the '80s, and your parents are who are never home to begin with are always are, are yeah. World. <laughs> but yeah, she kind of like just like breaks into this man's house <laughs> essentially but i also like the scene where like she's getting dressed across the street it reminded me a lot of spider-man but like so they're watching her through the through the binoculars which is just where wow binoculars didn't realize how creepy binoculars were until i saw this movie but like they're watching her and then he's like show her some respect and she turns around and they all duck but he's the one standing and she sees him <laughs> it's like oh damn that's he's like my bad <laughs> I've never seen you naked. <laughs> well, that sucks. I have a great I just, body. I just, I just seen your titty, man. When she said that, boy, <laughs> man, at that point, if she, I said he in there, <laughs> look, all I'm gonna say is that if she said that and I was in that position, the blinds, the door would immediately lock on its own. The blinds would come down. Music would just start playing automatically. <laughs> Like, nah, I don't care my parents coming home. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell them I'm going to go to my room real quick. <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? Tell me more, actually. <laughs> Show me more. Like, As fuck father, all that. I, can't be mad at I cannot be mad at him. It's like, you know I was a magician. I can do this. You want to see a magic trick? <laughs> oh, God. This, is, this podcast became a lot more hornier than I thought it would be. Yeah, the, uh, this, this movie is uh, very... A horny movie, low key. 
All right. So next up, we got Operation Manhunt, where they decide to try and spy on Mackie some more at while he's at home. Although at first they decide to go through his trash. <laughs> I thought that was funny. We can just say the raccoons did it, and I'm like, you know, honestly, that 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 tracks. That works. <laughs> And then they start now, stealing the garden. His... Yeah. <laughs> that was not raccoons. Yes. Hell, I'm pretty sure they left the fucking shovels. Yeah. They... <laughs> you see them, I'm like, I don't think raccoons did that. <laughs> you know, like, raccoons now, do have guys. thumbs. So, I'm, they, I mean, honestly, they could have got away with it. There's a slim chance they could have. <laughs> they would have stuck to their like, story. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like a ho- if a hoe, it was a hoe. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like a small one. I just think of a cat in a hat. <laughs> Dirty hoe. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> but yeah, that they did a bad job with the whole garden thing. They're like, just, just do it. <laughs> they couldn't hear the walkie-talkies. Um, but I also do like the fact that he takes like the one walkie-talkie and tapes it like open and then like hangs it at the window. But it did scare the crap out of me when he was at the window. <laughs> he saw him run off. I was like, oh, well, now he knows you're on to him. Yep, it's over. <laughs> Although, there's also that one kid who was like, I got you. And Harry's like, dude, go away. <laughs> you guys are out now. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like my He brother. said, I don't care. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care. I got y'all. Oh, man. I love how in the 80s, the flashlights were bigger than you. Oh, fact. Yeah, and they didn't even, fucking, didn't even light anything up. Yeah. <laughs> they take big-ass batteries for no reason. There's just one dot of light, and you're like, I can see. <laughs> let's solve a mystery. Yeah. All right, so let's see here. Um, I put in my notes, Davey's like Captain America with all these plans, because they all kind of... <laughs> he just keeps... He comes up with them automatically on the spot. <laughs> it's like, dude... And he's like, hey, you know what we're going to do. You need to work in the government. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I love how everybody just kept going along with it, too. Yeah, he's definitely a leader. Oh, there's a there's a really fun moment. So when they go back into the house to like, you know, at the the house where where Nikki is kind of like baby like house sitting essentially or cat sitting. Um there's a fun like there's a fun like gag about Star Wars in this movie. I don't know what you guys caught it, but basically so earlier in the movie in the treehouse, they're talking about the re- uh, return of the Jedi and they're arguing about the Ewoks. And then Woody again foreshadowing, but right before Woody goes into the house, um, the light kind of like flashes against his neck and then he says I have a bad feeling about this and then he goes into the house and I was like no <laughs> yeah I thought he was going to die there uh, man it's just they, were... they really called it out <laughs> I was going to say um, speaking of that when they went in the house and they had Woody turn that um, turn the light when um, what was the, the babysitter's name Nikki when Nikki's hand came on to switch the flight on. I'm oh, that got lie. me. Yeah, that, that got, got me. me. That got me. Ooh, boy. All right. So from yeah, cause the... like I thought it was Wishmacar for real. I thought it was Mackie. I said, oh, it's over. <laughs> They're dead. Because they went in looking for dead bodies, and instead they found the girl. So from there, they decide that they have enough evidence to kind of out Mackie. And so they... They did what kids did and went to their parents and immediately got grounded. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> that sucks. And I love the fact that like the dad was like, you're going to go over there, all of you, and you're going to apologize oh. to him. Blowing their cover. And so now... That at- <laughs> made me so mad. <laughs> Making them prime suspects to... 
Because it's from that moment on, Davy becomes the next like target. <laughs> and yeah, I hated that so much because like, oh, not only are you grounded, but you're you're now the next target of a serial killer. <laughs> At that point in the movie, I was still I was still convinced that he was innocent, and this whole thing was just a ploy. Yeah. Okay. So here, that's a good question. At what point did you understand that it was definitely Mackie? Oh, when, sure, when I saw a kid. <laughs> when you what? <laughs> Uh, when I saw that kid in the uh, in the window. Okay, so you you found out pretty early on then. Zarya. Yeah, because like that that was it. I felt like ain't no way. He, why does he have a kid in his house? <laughs> well, he did say it was his nephew. <laughs> Zarya, Aramis, when did you guys figure out uh, or realize that Mackie was actually the killer? I have to agree with John. Um. Or like when I saw yeah, the kid in the window, I'm like, huh, that's weird. And then that phone number, it, it just clarified it to you. Yep. He oh. called himself. The phone number was wild. Oh yeah, that that was insane. That was definitely Cause like when he was at the door, like he was being super suspicious. Like he was being like a silly, what a serial killer would do. He was like, Hey, I can fix this problem. I can come in you can come inside, we can call him real quick, like I don't know. He was just like so quick to like try to cover this up and trying to squash it. I was like, mm. it was too calm for my liking of being accused of a serial killer when there's like an active serial killer out there in the area being accused yeah. of. I'm not. And one. you're a police I, officer. Yes, like that is so damaging. Like I would like he was too calm right there, and I'm like, mm, it's not adding up. Yeah, no. For me, it's the fact that he never had a clean white beater. He was always dirty. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, Gordon. <laughs> what about you, Hunter? When did you when did you realize it was uh, Mackie? Okay, it, I can. It was like it's one of those things for me where I'm like, if it's too good to be true, it's not. It and it was like too. Throughout the whole movie, I'm like there. It's dropping too hard of hints sometimes. I'm like, there's no way. It's going to end up being a fucking a whole thing. They think it's going to be him, and it's not going to be him. And, like, they end up accidentally catching the actual killer while investigating him. And, like, some other wild shit like that. But no. Like, I genuinely did not believe that it was going to be him. Until they opened that that very very back room with the shower, and I was like, "All right, oh, yep, damn." So the, yeah, they got they pulled you to the very end, of the line. Yeah, I was like, "It's too obvious. It's too fucking obvious. There's no way they're gonna pull something on us. It's gonna be a twist within a twist. I'm gonna and I'm gonna fucking hate it." But no, yeah. I- <laughs> Honestly, I felt that way in the beginning too, bro. I was like, mm, "Why are y'all pushing so hard?" <laughs> I just wish this movie kind of gave more emphasis on other suspects and who it could be, but they hone in so much on that it could be Mackie. And so I'm like, if they didn't, if it wasn't Mackie, then what would, what would, where would you have gone? Would have just been like, oh, this is just a summer game that's gone too far for Davy, or would you present another suspect? And again, I feel like if you do present another suspect nikki's a good option but why would she be killing small teenage boys but then again it's like you know no, she's ahead. mad at men she's mad at men yeah true maybe, maybe her dad the reason why her mom and dad are getting divorced is your dad's beating her mom and he wanted she wanted to take back the power 
and start killing little boy. True, true. And we never really get a, a good motive on why Mackie kills little boys, other than I'm guessing something happened to him as a kid. But, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, again, I feel like the only one you could give was Nikki or Kyle, and Kyle being already the bad boy of the town just didn't doesn't track. His character doesn't really track. It's like he's the bad boy older brother that kind of sucks and is abusive, but also he work. They keep making the joke about he worked at the hardware store, which I'm like, See, what's, what's wrong with the hardware store? <laughs> look, where my mind went was that. Do you remember the scenes in the first Halloween? And you can see Michael Myers in the background doing shit. Yeah. Of certain scenes. I thought it was going to be like that. I kept looking in the background of like, oh. I'm. we're going to see the killer doing shit in the background. And they're just missing him. Oh, so just like a random dude. Just a random person. I, that could work. That could work. Just a, a random Michael Myers type figure. I don't know. I was so fucking in denial that it was actually going to be <laughs> For me, it was it was definitely the fact that he never had a clean white T-shirt, and I'm like, this guy is way too sweaty. <laughs> All right, so yeah, getting to the end here, uh, after the boys kind of like dispatched their whole plan, but Davey's like, nah, he still gives me the creeps. I think it's him, and so Nikki kind of, I do like the fact that Nikki's like, well, I'm here, I'm in, I'm, I'm gonna help you guys out, and so they devise this plan. Like we said earlier, Faraday does not do shit. <laughs> He's just like, it's not him, and then he like goes off on you know goes back and tommy kind of gets a little bit of alone time i I feel like at this point is where tommy kind of is going through his whole little loss of innocence where he's just sitting on this park bench alone listening to music and i'm like someone give this kid a hug because his brother really just dead ass left him on the side of the road (laughs) oh yeah and they, they do have this whole plot line sort of so again everybody has like hinted at plot lines but basically tommy's dad is gonna tear down their treehouse and so that's kind of Tommy's thing um, is that he doesn't want to let go of that treehouse, which, again, would symbolize childhood. Or I guess he just doesn't want to get rid of his secret jerk off station. But you know. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'm so dumb. I didn't know that's what they were throwing in the front yard at the very, very end. Yeah, yeah. The front guy does oh. end up getting tearn- torn down. And that's why. Yeah, I didn't see that either. I didn't, I didn't catch that on. I just thought that they were just. I'm just glad that Faraday and Tommy were still friends, but it does like they're taking down the treehouse. So Yeah, but is Wishmacaw still part of the friends really? Probably I would think not, given the fact that hey. one he's not helping and two, he's I feel like that friendship would be nothing but sadness. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, Where were you when our friend died? And then they would be like, Oh, why did you even bring him along? It's your fault he's dead. Which, to be fair, yeah. It's low key as fault. I do want to know, though, um, what was the, wait, um, Woody? Is that, that was his name, right? Woody? Woody, the bigger kid, yeah. So his mom, like, you know, she was going through some things, and as you can see, he had to take care of her at times. I would have wanted, like, something I I wish they could have shown, even like a second of, is just her reaction to it, because I know she was down bad just hearing what happened to her. Oh, if she would have, like, relapsed or something. Yeah. So was that she was like a drug addict, or I thought she was alcoholic. I thought she just had like Aunt May syndrome, where it's like there's too many bills and it's just it's just me. (laughs) Like I thought it was that, and she was like working overnights. But I'm I guess she could have been mentally ill or something. Again, I feel like this movie should have fleshed some things out a bit more. But also, I like the mysterious aspect of it all. 
Yeah, it definitely like it just it gave you what information you needed and it kind of let you play with it. <laughs> it's so sad. And yeah, so we end up they end up in Mackie's basement, his real basement. And I like the fact that they trade in the the flashlights that they had all the the entire movie they had flashlights up until this scene. And so they have this big ass camera with this big ass light on it. And yeah, this is where it does switch tones to just being from like, you know, kind of sort of creepy adventures to just downright horror where they are kind of exploring this basement and they end up finding a whole lot of evidence and Davey kind of puts it all together. So there's a dead body in a tub filled with blood and just decomposing gross. And there's a boy chained up asking for help, which is the same boy we saw leaving the house earlier. Um, so who knows how long he was there. And then there's pictures all over the wall in his little dark room of people. He's, you know, his victims. And then Davy realizes that upstairs are his other victims or his intended victims. And Davy realizes he was next, which is why he was there. And so they, again, they do the right thing. They go immediately to the police. And so the, I love the police chiefs, like, a reaction he's like god damn it because right before we didn't mention it but right before this they um right after the dad forces them to tell mackie that they've been spying on him they conveniently find a guy to pin the killings on or you know revealed to be the killer and so everything's supposed to be okay thus the festival <clears throat> is on which is like as a police officer <laughs> i don't know like does word travel fast did they not know that he was just accused and if even if not a police officer but like did the dad not catch on like you know he's like oh my son just accused this officer of being a serial killer and then literally the next day this officer catches the serial killer i guess everything is fine you? yeah you're in, the, you're in the news and you're in the news like how do you not know <laughs> yeah he's a news reporter i just feel like they gave into this new uh suspect too quickly with no questions yeah <laughs> and everybody was just, and everybody was just fine with the suspect like oh yeah it, it's him like no one there were no other questions <laughs> it's him everybody we got it all right let's reenact jaws and put the festival back on <laughs> it'd oh. be funny if he would have used the same shirt that they gave him yeah <laughs> <laughs> like oh different the dna on the shirt was was in this uh new guys whoever they call like bag or something <laughs> there's a kid next to this guy here <laughs> so yeah after that they end up like, again I, I like the reactions of the police chief he's like god damn it get me get me mackie bring him to me bring me his head you this kid is a hero you guys should be very proud i'm like what is this like cartoon dude dude here <laughs> he was just so he just made me laugh at how like matter of fact he was he was like ah i can't believe we missed him your kid's a hero this boy's alive because of him <laughs> i'm like okay calm down <laughs> the cartoon police officer yeah <laughs> he just he just he just ooze harumph like that's all he had <laughs> He had so much oof behind everything he said at this scene. He's like, I can't believe we missed it. Bring me Mackie. This instant. And while you're at it, bring me pictures of Spider-Man. Like, that's how that's the vibe he had. It's <laughs> like, all right. So um, here's my thing. I don't know how witness protection worked in the 80s, but, like, do you let the family go home? <laughs> because that would have been my first thought. If you couldn't catch him at his house, 
maybe he's in the neighbor's house. <laughs> but nope, they all, I, I honestly, I would have been like, can we sleep at the police station or at like a motel or something? Y'all got, no, I'm, uh, yeah. Back. <laughs> like, what is the funding of this town? Because they go home and, ah, oh, I hate this scene so much because it freaks me out. Just like everyone's sleeping. They think it's all right. Woody is staying over and he's just hiding in the attic in his police uniform. And I guess the parents are just sound asleep because they don't hear the, their, their son and his friend being kidnapped. And this this part freaked me out so bad. Like, I hated this part so much. Because, like, again, I sleep upstairs. There's an attic above where I sleep. And it's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> like, can I just point something out, though? Yeah. I, I find it very believable that... If it was just Davy, yeah, he would have had an easy-ass time carrying that kid downstairs and putting him in his car. But Woody, on the other hand, how did he get both of them down the stairs, out the front door, and into his car without any kind of noise? He took both of those kids in. So either he did two trips, or he somehow carried both of them at the same time. Yeah, either Mackie's really strong, or... <laughs> He had the, like, he well, what just, if he threw him out the window? <laughs> it would still be making noise, wouldn't it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it would make a thud outside. I don't know. Does chloroform like knock out pain as well? Like, I feel like. I mean, they're more limp. <laughs> I just imagine him like kicking Woody down the stairs and just like rolling him like a carpet. <laughs> And again, Woody's not that big. We're just being like facetious, but like, it's just like, how did he? No, like, how did he get him out? Also, it's the eighties. It's the eighties. I know those stairs creaked like hell. Yeah, the the doors. <laughs> no be... fucking way. Because <laughs> the parents, after like all that, like you're not leaving this house. So if they heard a door open, it's over. Did he go through the garage? I don't... <laughs> So, yeah, so Davy and Woody end up waking up in the back of this police car, this very foggy police car. And so thus begins the final, like, traumatizing 10 minutes of this movie where Woody and Davy have to fight for their lives and they're tied up. And so he, I love how he's like, Woody, wake up, huh? Where am I? I don't know. We're we'll going to get out of here. <laughs> he's out there. This is a really freaky scene, though, because I don't know, like, cop cars and horror movies, I think about Scream 2. And they kind of recreated it in Scream, the TV show. But, like, this whole, like, getting out of the cop car and running for their lives is just freaky. Uh, also, the knife that Mackie had was huge. Like, that is a huge knife. <laughs> and he ends up, like, slicing Davy in the, uh, in, the, in the leg. Is it the leg or the ankle? Like, because I feel like if he was slicing him in the ankle, he shouldn't have been able to run. It was his Achilles tendon. Ooh, damn. That yeah, it was the back. Oh, yeah, and for as small as Davy was, he probably should have bled out. Okay, I, he almost did. He passed out a little bit, didn't he? When he uh, the yeah, he guy picked him up. Yeah, again, but I think his need for survival is what kept him going. Um, but once that. he once he saw he got help, that's when he like kind of passed out and like went limp. Davy's got balls, man. But poor Woody. Woody does. Although again, Davy with the plan, he had a plan, but Woody was just too slow. And he was basically going to distract him while Woody ran to the 
to the cop car because yeah. Woody can drive. We saw that at the beginning, and then he was gonna like basically flake back and drive off. But before Woody could get to the driver's seat, Mackie tackles him, and it's just kind of like surprising any kind of horror movie because you know in horror movies, with, even with kids, you don't expect kids to die. Like even like watching it, which was made just what uh, or came out a year before or the year before this came out. You know. We saw teenagers die, but none of the main kids, like, die. We saw them get hurt, but they didn't die until they were adults. But here, you don't expect, like, a kid to go out like this. And Woody gets his throat slit with this big-ass knife. And then I think it's weird how, like, Mackie holds him and, like, lets the blood cover his arm, which is something that kind of got hinted at earlier when Faraday's looking through the window. And he's like, he's got blood all over him, but it turned out to be, like, paint or whatever. Or it could have been blood. We don't know. But I guess... You know, just me reading into this, <laughs> Mackie's got some kind of fetish where he needs blood covered on his arm. But Woody ends up dying, and Davy gets more trauma, and he somehow gets a, or no. So this part is also pretty freaky. So Mackie gives this like killer monologue about how he wants to kill Davy, but instead he's gonna let him go, and vows to come back for him one day because. Basically, this is just a killer. Serial killers are cocky sons of bitches. And so he basically found his match. And he wants to keep that motivation alive, essentially. Um, Which, in a narrative sense, I like. In a realistic sense, this is scary as hell. (laughs) Because it's like, oh yeah, you, you, you took everything from me. You figured it out. You're smart enough to live, but only when I say you can. And so that's kind of where Davy is put. And honestly... For a 15-year-old kid to have that weight on him is a probably a fate worse than death, because now he has to look over his shoulder everywhere he goes. Although he's gonna have a he's gonna have an awesome like summer essay. Like this guy, has got a bestseller on his hands. <laughs> I'm dead. So this guy is getting a scholarship. <laughs> Dave's getting a full ride scholarship to somewhere with this essay. He's gonna be like, you want to be a detective? You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad's a reporter, you say, huh? Well, welcome to the big leads, kid. <laughs> you might give him a camera. <laughs> You're joining the FBI. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, basically, Davey ends up surviving. He ends up... I do like the scene in the hospital where he wakes up and his parents are like, Oh, my God! Still wearing the same outfits they were when they dropped them off. So, I was like, did they not put on pajamas? <laughs> I thought that was weird. And so we get that weird, uh, not weird, but we get the end montage of people are have, are moving out of the neighborhood. I did like that detail. People are moving out of the neighborhood. Eats and Curtis are still friends, but they're tearing down the treehouse and Davey's back to his uh, paper boy route, but with a bandaged up leg. And that's the end of our movie. They never catch the killer, which is something I didn't remember, but they didn't catch. They didn't catch him. Oh boy, we're, we're we're kind of left with this haunting feeling. Uh, with that being said, do you recommend Summer of '84, Zarya? Yeah, I do recommend it. Um, I will say though, uh, like like Davy's like ending monologue when he was talking about like how you really don't know your neighbors. It kind of uh, going back to like what y'all said earlier about how you wish um, you knew like a little bit more into like his friends, like in like about their houses. But that kind of plays into what he was saying. Like, you just don't know what's going on. Um, and so it's just kind of, it was kind of cool to see it, like, in other aspects other than, like, my neighbor being a serial killer. 
Um, and that's what really made me like the movie, and I do recommend it. All right. JJ? Oh, I definitely recommend it. it it's, it's like a classic. It'll get you back into, like, a scary movies. I don't know. It's a really good, like, scary movie to me. It brings me back to home. They did a, a good job with, like, kind of doing the year, 84, and then just definitely keeps you guessing. It doesn't, like, like you said, it, it's hard to figure out what they're really trying to tell you because they're trying to throw it in your face. And then, like you said, it might backfire and make you too skeptical. And you're like, yeah, it's too good to be true. But all around great, um, great cast, great writing. And, yeah, definitely recommend. All right. Aramis. Um, I'm agree with everyone else. Uh, I also recommend this movie. It's, um, it has its faults, but, um, it's like I said in earlier, um, uh, the show or the episode podcast, um, I've, it's kind of underrated. I think, uh, very vibe worthy. If you really like, um, those 80 tone type movies, you'll especially love it. And, um, um, you can watch it by yourself or with a group. So, yeah, I recommend it. All right. And Hunter. I, I kind of want to touch on more uh, of what Zarya said. Because I think what she just said made me appreciate the movie even more. Ooh. And I think there's a reason why we didn't get any further on the subplots. Because of, uh, of what he said. You don't ever know, truly know what's going on with your neighbors. So that's why, like, when Tommy was walking out of his house, all you heard was the fighting inside. You didn't get any more context. You didn't get any more story to it. It was just like, you heard a bit, and that's all you know. You don't know what's going on in there. Nikki, her parents are getting divorced. No one knew that. And like, uh, like um, Woody's mom being sick. You don't know. You don't know what's going on in your neighbor's houses. And I think, I think, sorry is a freaking genius for mentioning that. Because, holy shit, that just made me appreciate the movie even more. Because I think they may have done that on purpose. Like, showing us the little bits of each of their lives, but never actually going into full detail. Yeah, I can see that. I, I would 100% recommend, uh, recommend this movie. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's <laughs> I'm trying, dude. Don't, don't, don't yell. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a fun movie. I... Honestly, it's one of those movies where it can kind of get everybody a little different. Um, like, you could be sitting around with a whole gr group of people watching this movie, and everyone is going to think at completely different points of who the killer is, or if these, there's even a killer, or, like, what's going to happen. And to me, that's that's fun, because you can all kind of sit there and uh, um, almost be a conspiracy theorist with Davey. Alrighty, yeah, and it's it's a recommend for me. I yeah, I do agree. This movie is probably one of the most underrated movies to come out in the last like decade, probably. Um, it's a really good one. I think, like I said, for me, this movie the highlight is definitely the aesthetic and the the script and the acting. I think the script is very authentic. And I think the acting is very authentic. My boyfriend, the babysitter, this kid is really good. He doesn't get a lot to do in this movie as Tommy, but I think he does a really good job. And the main character that plays Davey is really good. Uh, Woody is heartbreakingly sweet. And then there's Faraday. Yeah, he's there. 
<laughs> it's good. It's good as well. Um, but yeah, I, this movie just it. I think overall, it does capture what I was saying the the loss of innocence, and it it is that for again for me personally, it is that process of grievance and grieving. And I think all these characters represent different parts of that, as well as, you know, the whole sexual awakening thing that Davey's kind of going through or really all these boys are going through. But also just that, you know, reality hits and you you don't know. And I do like that thing that you and Zarya had brought up there, Hunter, that, yeah, you don't really necessarily don't know what's going on in people's lives. And for me, as a person who is very social by nature, I do, you know, I can overstep sometimes and be try to make myself very involved in people's lives or make up whatever I can. And so I do kind of relate to that a bit. You guys kind of open my eyes to that. And I, I, I like it. Um, I, I overall like this movie. I would recommend it to people. Just be, I would also say though, it's one of those movies where I think you should be in the right kind of headspace to watch it. Cause it did freak me out again, watching it a second time. And uh, it it kind of does freak me out because I am alone in a basement at the moment. Um, but yeah, you, it's just it has that right kind of vibe to it. That end of summer, but kind of you want to keep the thrills going. Um, it, it's good. It's good. Uh, let's see, kids on bikes. You can never go wrong with kids on bikes. But if they're in a van, then you know you you gotta you gotta talk and dog on your hands. All right, guys, thank you for joining me. <laughs> This is a fun little conversation, a bit of a different episode than we normally do, but I wanted to kind of do something more uh, intimate-ish, more, a little more personal, but relate it back to the movie here. One of our shorter episodes this year, so that's good. Um, again, just thank you guys. I enjoy having all of you on. I enjoy making content with you all. I hope to make more. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, again, my the release schedule is all kind of whacked out, but whenever this comes out, it comes out. And I, I, I am hope I'm glad that you guys made it this far and, and continue to listen to the podcast, more stuff coming. Um, I know we're preparing for saw, although I think next week may be, or next episode after this one may be a, a different episode as well, where I just kind of want to like, you know, shoot the shit and talk about some recent events. But if not, we'll we'll dive back to the, to the movies with Saw and finally get to that series. And then after that, we'll be hitting into the fall and Halloween and stuff. And I have a lot of fun episodes planned for that one. I will say, though, this, this recording uh, schedule has been some of the hardest things to plan because there's just so much coming out now. Uh, unlike in 2020 and 2021 and even last year where it was just like, oh, we'll go to theaters a few times and... After that, I'll just keep introducing movies that I think people should watch and or people should, you know, view. You know, I just I kind of do miss the days, Zarya, where we were just like, hey, guys, you want to check out something called April Fool's Day? <laughs> be like, OK, sure. <laughs> now I'm like, OK, well, Exorcist is coming out. People have been wanting us to do Exorcist. I've tried to do Exorcist before in the past. And now there's a new movie. There's a new Saw movie. There's, I definitely, you know, we're last year we did uh, Death in the Nile, Zarya. Did you know there's another movie coming out, <laughs> Haunting of Venice, which is following that same uh, detective? <laughs> I didn't, but you didn't know that was coming out. Um, there's just so much coming out, so it makes the recording a lot harder, especially when I want to get through some of my goals this year, being that I definitely want to do Alien, definitely need to do Terminator, definitely want to get to some of these more classic films that we haven't done yet. Um, but with that being said, I do appreciate you guys have being on and 
continuing to come on Zarya. You've been a rock this entire year. Hunter, you too. It's always fun to have you on. Um, I'll probably use a lot more of you. <laughs> uh, Aramis, John, love having you guys on as well. You guys are great. I love how you guys are kind of just easing your way in and learning more about the podcast. Um, it's, it's been fun having voices on. Um, especially since this year has been kind of a, a lot of, a lot of change has been going on this year. All right. I'm going to stop rambling and let y'all go. But again, thank you guys for listening to the murder board podcast. We'll be back with more, uh, what that is. I don't know yet, but you'll, you'll know because you'll have this on your device and you'll click the next, next episode. Fingers crossed. Um, but until then I'm going to go make a deposit to the spank bank. And we'll catch you guys next time. Uh, <laughs> that was a good one. Great ending. If I embarrassed you too much, Aaron, just tell me to stop. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. I did think of you a lot watching this movie. <laughs> I was like, that I reminds did. me of Aaron. Oh, man. No, yeah, I was thinking about the times, you know, summer summer days I spent in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny, because, like, this movie reminded me of when you used to, you and Zai came down and spent summer with us. I mean, we were in the same state. But then, like, whenever I watch it, <laughs> I'm like, that reminds me of Zai's house and how we used to just get lost in the back creek there. Oh, yeah, it was good times. Yeah, I, just I don't know how we made it back home. Yeah, Christian almost yeah. drowning, like, 50,000 times. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I... yeah. If anyone has any, like, summer stories, feel free to say. After, you know. Uh, I, I remember... All through, like, junior high, I would hang out with uh, my buddies Tristan and Ethan. And Tristan was the one that, like, got us to go out and, like, do shit out in the neighborhood or, like, go down to this place called The District, which was, like, it was this big outdoor shopping center area thing. We used to get in trouble there. Ooh. But Ethan, on the other hand, was the one that got me into movies. And we would watch shit like, you know, like Godzilla, Ultraman, The Thing like horror movies and like when we were that age that's also when we discovered the beauty of shitty horror movies oh boy yeah and so <laughs> it was a nice combination of like during the summer we would either go out and do dumb shit with tristan or we would stay in and watch really shitty horror movies or like godzilla and stuff with ethan and it was just those are great times yeah, my uncle, Aramis's dad, was the one that got me into Godzilla. <laughs> he would just be on the TV, and I'd be like, what's that? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah your dad used to, every time I came over, your dad always had, like, an old Godzilla movie on the TV. Yeah, it was, like, old school movies. But, yeah. I'm surprised, Godzilla. All right.